Welcome to another edition of the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, episode 158, Istanbul, not Constantinople. My name is Matthew Turner, alongside Steve and Ant, maybe joined by Ryan later on. How are you doing, boys? Just getting more obscure, these references. We're, we're losing our core audience. Oh, yeah, and I was tarnishing my reputation for coming up with good college football podcast titles. So, you know, just, we need we to end this. We're back to back. NFL winners, two divisional wins. We're pumped. This we are it. above 500 in division. Woohoo! Surreal thing of surreal things is that the Rams draft pick is currently worth more than ours. Who and will be worth it? more than ours down the stretch, all the way down. They're not getting it back above us now. This, this sounds like a bet. Brad Holmes is a genius. It... St- Stafford is loyal and he's tanking for us. Love it. What a guy. Stafford is tanking for us. But I mean, you, if you wanted to bet on the Rams, you should have taken it when they were three and four, not three and six, because I said there'd be a six win team two weeks ago. There we go. Right. Vienna. <laughs> you said Philly is... we're going to be a Super Bowl team as well, and that's starting to unravel. Yeah. And I had the feeling the Bills would be a Super Bowl team and they might not might not make the playoffs. So <laughs> if he types. Anyway, this is the Lions at Giants preview show. We're going to be joined by Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Dan's going to be with us shortly, but just from some preamble to start off with. Don't forget to join our Discord channel, Great Lions Community. There I'll pop the links in the live descriptions of YouTube and Twitch. Do come and join us. They're great um, community of people chatting all the way through game day, all the way through the week. And the off-season and all of our draft stuff will be in there too. So do come and join us for that. And the College Football Podcast was last night. What did he talk about? Um, a lot of shocks this week. I think, I guess, you know, Kentucky losing to Vanderbilt, UConn becoming bowl eligible. A lot of, um, you know, a lot of upset going around at the moment for the... College football playoffs, they're starting to take shape. The championship games are starting to take shape. There's only two weekends left of the season now till it's uh, until championship week. So, yeah, college football's nearly done this season already, and it's uh, nearly time to go into the tape previews for the draft. It all goes so quickly. So, yeah, we chat about that. We chat about week 11, what happened there, a little preview ahead to what's coming, and we did a rundown of all the conferences to let you know which teams are in the championship picture, which ones are not, etc. So it's all good fun. It's it's in two parts, unfortunately, because Streamlabs decided it wanted to crash on me halfway through my first stream, which was the busiest stream we'd ever had before. Um, so you'll have to do it in two parts, but it's good stuff. Excellent. I'll have to catch up with that because I haven't managed to get around to it yet, but it's always good stuff. And with the draft, not that far away now. It's, it's must-listen stuff. Don't forget to like and sub to the podcast as well. Appreciate you there. What? What's that? Ryan put in the perfect title. What What did he say? I know we didn't say we were going to do a Ken- Kenny one, but it's like, oh my God, they killed Kenny. 
That is very good. That would be so That's great. Good. Oh, man. We missed it. We missed it, guys. Um, don't forget to join us on Lions Nation Unite. It's Herman Moore's project to bring the best in Lions content creators together. You can find Micro Mike there along with uh, Lions on the Prowl and Dose of Dion as well as Herman himself. Good place to be for Lions content. That's lionsnationunite.com. And we are a Twitch affiliate. Uh, that means if you have an Amazon Prime subscription, you get month to month a free sub to use on anyone. Doesn't cost you a, pen, uh, a penny and it gives something from Amazon to us or anyone else that you'd like to donate that to. So if you're not using it, please, please do. Always a good thing to do. Right, let's crack on with the news and then we'll get on to the Lions-Giants preview. First bit of news is that the Lions put in a waiver claim for defensive tackle Jerry Tillery, who was waived by the charges. He was claimed by... I think, was it nine teams and Vegas were rewarded him because they're in front of us in the waiver priority. Were any of you surprised that we had a flyer on him? Because I was kind of okay picking him up for the vet minimum, but picking up that fourth year of his rookie contract as a first rounder seemed like a heck of a lot of money for not very much player. Well, I mean, they much about the player. They've been trying to add to the D-line all year, especially at D-tackle, so it doesn't fairly surprise me. I guess they're still trying to take flyers there at the minute. I mean, it is a position we need a little bit more depth at, so, yeah, it's meh. I'm kind of I'm kind of glad we didn't, but, you know, I can understand why they're still trying to see if they can find some depth and some fixes in there, so it's no harm, no foul in the end. Glad that we, took, we didn't uh, try and get Amari Rogers. Oh, no, yeah. no. He... I don't know if he's not gone through process No, he, yet, he? he has. He's gone to the Texans. Oh, has he? Oh. Yeah, he got awarded to the Texans. Um, but yeah, there we go. I mean, Jerry Tillery, Jerry Tillery, just to give a bit of background on him, he has the lowest PFF war of any defensive tackle since coming out of college, which is just staggering, really. He was a guy who had basically no run D, but had pass rush upside. And then he got to the NFL and his pass rush upside disappeared. And he's kind of, his third year was a slight resurgence, but he wasn't playing up to his contract value and then got waived by the Chargers, you know, who could do with D-tackle help and they got rid of him. I mean, at the at the end of the day, whoever's getting him is only getting him for half a season and then you've got to pay him or let him go anyway. So for me, it made no sense for the Lions as a team unlikely to go to the playoffs, however much we may dream to take someone on a half-year rental. Like, it just made no sense when cap space is at a premium for us. Like, we weren't giving Demetrius Taylor a chance. Why would we give Jerry Tillery a chance? Just makes no sense to me. Yeah, but it's not affecting your cap in the years going forward, is it? So... Well, but we've already had to restructure people to get under the cap to get to where we are now. So it has affected us by opening space. We only get that back if we keep the space and roll it on. Yeah, I don't know. I think no harm, no foul. We, we, we're a bit under at the minute, so you can get yeah. it in there if you want. I mean, and, you, you've um, got eight games left, and we're getting quite healthy at the minute. So, you know, the IR injury shouldn't be costing us as much money, really. So, well, so I've no, I've no issue in them trying to see if they can find a flyer, take a fix. They, you never know. We landed on Charles Harris. That worked. Some don't. Yeah, it's very true. Um, the Lions have opened the 21-day window to train and return from IR for DJ Shark and Romeo Aquara. They now can practice with the team. So Romeo practicing for the first time this season. 
They must be activated within 21 days. If they do not, they are shut down for the year. I think Chark, it was rumoured that he was ready to come back almost a couple of weeks ago when he spoke with a beat writer. But Romeo seemed to have come out of nowhere. And if he can actually play after that 21-day window expires, you know, and get the final five or six games of this season, that would be a massive boost to this D-line. No? It's surprising. Really surprising. I mean, there's been basically radio silence about um, about his recovery. Like Nothing like Akuda, nothing like, you know, Jerry, anyone like that. So it's going to be interesting. Like I say, he's, he's been out a very long time. When we're down to, what, eight, nine games to go, you kind of figure you're not going to start at least getting the best out of him for five, six games yet. So it gives him a very small window to really go at it at the end of this season because, I mean, you're going to have some cap issues now when it comes to that edge room. Obviously, Aiden's on the rookie contract. That's going to keep getting bigger every year. You've paid Charles, who's on the books as well. I mean, if Julian's, you know, mini renaissance carries on much longer, he's in the last year of his deal next year. You may go have to pay him as well. We're paying Romeo Aguara $14 million. I mean, it's a case of, a lot of money you got invested in your uh, your edge room then. So, you know, I, I would kind of like to see him come back and do some, you know, give us some good production this year. It's a nice headache to have. Well, it depends how, you know, how quickly he can get back from this. Maybe he's been healthy a little while and they've just been holding him out. He's back sooner. Maybe he's right at the beginning of his rehab process. I don't, we don't know, but obviously it's great for him. It's great for him to be back on the field. And it's great for us because if we've got a fit Romeo, a fit Charles, a fit Aiden, Julian playing better, you know, Pascal playing well, then Jesus, it's all of a sudden a really good edge rotation, which doesn't get tired. You can bring it in situationally. You can make life hell for people. So, no, well, of course it's good news for us. It's going to be interesting to see the long-term future with him still, though. I mean, I think that this is the point at which if they take the full 21 days and come back after that, that it's like the minimum number of games that they need to acclimatize in terms of reps and still have enough time to just about make their mark on the season. Like with Romeo, I'd almost written off the possibility that he'd be back next year because I didn't think no matter how much time was left that he'd be back long enough to justify his cap hit or cap saving next year because you save seven and a half million by cutting him, which is a heck of a lot of money if you haven't seen anything from him for a year and a half. Like, I think you probably do just end up taking that saving. But him having four to five games, maybe maybe those five games, the first one's just a bit of a introduction to the season. So then four kind of fully-fledged games to make your mark on the team and say, hey, I'm still here. And Chark, too. If Chark apparently had really good chemistry with Goff in preseason, it looked good. And then it just kind of melted away the first couple of games as we ran the ball a lot. They're both going to have a chance to take four games, go pedal to the metal, and play for their contracts. I know Chark is a, a UFA at the end of the year, but that means that we can resign him if we want to. And if they both go off, if Aquara gets a few sacks and Chark gets a few near 100-yard games, it puts a spanner in the works, or at least gets the Lions to think a bit. It does. It does. But I, I don't know. I just feel like the productivity has to be quite high. He's the fourth highest paid player on the team next year. So... You know, his cap hits 14 and a half million. It's a lot of money. And like you say, the savings to be had. And if if his brother carries on playing well, if Pascal carries on playing well, 
then you're at a difficult situation where you've got three guys on rookie deals still that you can pay a lot less and get good production out in the edge room and then save that money elsewhere. And it's a bit, you know, do you go with it type thing? Because again, I don't think you're going to see a full him this year at all. I don't think you'll get a full healthy him this year. He'll need a full off season to be able to properly recuperate and get into shape. And and then you've got to sort of decide whether you're going to take that hit on or not. And then you've obviously mm. got a lot of other decisions. If you if you don't cut Goff, if you don't cut Romeo, then all of a sudden you've got very few cuttable contracts to give yourself money to really work in free agency. And then it just kind of feels like you're going again with the same group apart from a you know, a, a draft class. And it's just like, I feel like Brad Brad Holmes has to be brutal this year. Mm. And yeah. I, I think that Romeo is going to be, you know, have these brutal standards imposed on him. Whereas if he can't come back and put up really good production quite soon, then Brad Holmes is going to deem that contract not viable for this team. And he's going to cut him and he's going to spend the money elsewhere. That's my fear there. But I, I would kind of agree with Brad as well. We need we need money to be able to reinvest into areas of this team. And if Julian, if um, Pascal, if Hutch are giving me the production I need other than that on lesser deals, it suddenly becomes sort of a no-brainer. It does. I mean, at the end of the day, in terms of the cap situation, if you keep basically everyone, if you keep Romeo, if you keep Goff, if you keep Big V, Brockers, I think, is a goner no matter what. But then you sign your rookie class. Let's say you just cut Brockers, which I think is the only truly non-brainer decision. The others at least have an argument, even if you lean one way or the other. You just cut him and you sign your rookie class. I think you've got like 25 million to spend in free agency, but actually don't have 25 million because a team likes to keep between five and 10 free, which means you might have 15 million to spend free agency. That's one premium player or maybe two or three good starters that aren't being paid very much. And that's not a lot for this team. But like this, you know, you've got to pay your practice squad. You've got to keep money spare for injuries and all that. So get Tracy's probably not going to be playing next year you know, for a good part of it. It's the same injury Romeo's had. So, yeah, it, it soon goes. And unfortunately, you know, the restructures to Vitae, the restructures to Brockers, that has limited the, you know, the savings we get from them. I think Brockers, it's what, about seven and a half million now instead of 10, which it should have been. And it's just all that bits. It's You've got to find money from somewhere. Because there's no doubt in the young potential in this team. There is not. There's loads of young studs in this team, but you've got to get some vets in there with them. And you've got to find a way to pay them because defensively, they're just not there right now. I mean, Brockers will be gone. I think there's no doubt about that at this moment in time. But, you know, if you want to get some genuine bona fide NFL talent and get them to come up here and really compliment it, you've got to find some money from somewhere. And, you know, if it ain't golf, and it's got to be Romeo because that's really all you can go apart from Hal and Brockers. Outside of that, I mean, you're looking at what is it? Reynolds saves you about four, three, three and a half, four. You don't really got much else other than that. So, no, I, I, I just think I'm, I think Romeo's going to find himself in a situation where he's he's really going to have to really have to ball out and to make them go. You know what? Actually, I will pay him fourteen and a half million next year, and I will get what I need to out of him. So. I think that this is going to be very much a situational decision based on, I think, our record. So if you think about how things are going to play out, we're three and six, okay? Um, do I think we're going to get a wild card? Absolutely not. 
Do most of us at Royal Alliance think they're going to get a wild card? Nah. But as a coaching team and, you know, as a front office, they can't afford to kind of be seen to be, you know, giving up now when they're two games behind a wild card spot. We've got the, the Giants, Bills, the Jags, the Vikings coming up in the next four games. Um, so, it, like, if we effectively split the last eight games into two halves, so Giants, Bills, Jags, Vikings, if we're going to get a wild card spot, we've got to win three out of four of those. Mm, two. You go two. Well, two, and then we'd be five and seven, and we probably would still be... We've got to win out then, really. Yeah, no, I'd... no. You you can get into the wild card this year in the NFC, maybe with eight and nine, but at nine and eight will pretty much definitely NFC... get you in. I think most NFC East teams are going to end up on eight or nine wins at this rate. You know, just just, in, just indulge me, right? So, say we've got say we've got to be out of you know the Giants, the Bills, the Jags, the Vikings. We've got to win three out of those four to kind of be a credible contender. Then I think at the point when we kind of get to week thirteen, week fourteen, we will know where we're going to be heading. If we lose the next two games then I can't see there being any pressing need for Romeo and Jameson Williams to be like playing, you know, against the Jets in week 15 or the Panthers in week 16. Why, why would they bother? But I think if they're really serious about next year, we can't afford just equally. We can't afford to be like losing three out of our four last games and going into the off season, like with zero momentum. Like we have to finish the season on a high if we're going to be credible about next year, because otherwise there'll just be, you know, we're going to have a nucleus of a, a roster that is going to start next year. And if they've all just, you know, spent the last couple of months of the season just sucking massively, I just can't see that mentality in the locker room being there for the start of next season to really kick on. So for me, two or three weeks will determine what they do with Jameson, what they do with Romeo. Um, and if we lose the next couple of games, I don't expect to see either of those guys until like week 17, maybe against the Bears. And they'll put them in for two token games, blow the rust off them um, and see how they're doing. But there won't be anything kind of credible in terms of trying to win. See, I disagree. You've got to play everyone as much as you can at this point. I mean, a Romeo, you've got to make a decision on whether you're going to take that cap hit next year or not. I'm not giving him a few, you know, end-of-season games when nothing counts or anything to, you know, see whether I'm going to invest that much money in him. And with Jameson, you've got to give him game, real-life game reps in the NFL. You've got to get him acclimatised to it. What, I mean, what are we going to do? Just... Hold him out this year, give him one quarter of a preseason game next year to the point when we're we going to expose him against NFL defenses when he's played a couple of snaps in what nearly two years? You know, are we going to so, do that? Are we going to risk our high profile weapon and keep him out for so long? You've got to give him, you've got to give this team experience. The only point of a young team winning is they gel and get experience in the NFL. You don't get that by holding them out. So, so and say say if if we decide to put Jameson Williams in, okay, do you want to see him coming back in week fifteen, away from home at the Jets, like facing up to F Source Gardner on his first set of snaps, 
What are we going to learn from that? We're going to learn how good he can be in this league. You're going to learn. You've got to... Because he's going to be a massive part of your offense next season. He's the deep field threat. He's the guy who that's going to reverberate around. You've got to try and start implementing the concepts you're going to have with him in there. See how he affects your offense. See how it works going forward. I mean, you're not going to learn anything from holding him out for two years. You're just not. And you're, you know, and against Source Gardner in week 15. And, and bearing in mind how Gardner's playing, how the Jets' secondary are playing. You play, you know, playing him away from home, probably a shitty weather game. Why would you put him in against like a, a hyped up Source Gardener when he's just coming back from injury? I, I think that'd be mental. I think you, you, See, all you're is... going to do is is potentially create like give, you know an, an issue because you're going to push him to his physical limits, and you don't want to do that necessarily if there's nothing to play for. Of course there is. You need to see whether he's good enough or not. You need to see if he's worth the investment that you've put into him at this point. I mean, I, I mean, it's injured point, and not, he's not, not ready for the start of next season. Put it this way: I'm only saying that we put him back in and play him when he's he's ready to go. I'm not suggesting we rush him back for a game or anything. But if he is at this point 100% fit, as fit as he can be, and he's ready to go for these games, because don't forget he's been running and doing this stuff for months now. So. I'm going to put him in there. I'm going to see what he can do. Because, I mean, I'm going to learn nothing by holding him out. Next year is year three. I want to see some genuine, bona fide progress from this team next season towards getting towards a playoff and a wild card. You know, I want this team to be able to be competitive enough to go out and do that. Because by year three, that's something you should be doing. And with my biggest offensive weapon, I want him to have at least some experience playing up here in the NFL. I don't want to just send him in as a pure bed rookie. I'm not going to do my team any good next season. He could get injured first snap. This all, oh, he could be injured. He might miss next season. You get injured on any play on any day. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. You know, you just have to take your risks in this league you do with your players. If, if, we, be, if we beat the Giants this weekend and then say the Bills on Thanksgiving, I'd absolutely be pushing him to be ready for that game or as soon as you can get him on the field. Absolutely, because there's something on it. But I just wouldn't, I, I don't know, I, I just wouldn't risk him on a nothing game if there's nothing to play for. I, I, I would just like limit it, you know, really like limit how you team because I think it's, it's situational. I think for me, until you're mathematically eliminated in the NFC this season, you have a shot because the NFC is just terrible. So if unless we're mathematically eliminated, I'm with Ant. And the thing is, you're saying about Source Garden or other potentially bad matchups for him, but Source ain't going to out-dominate him physically. Like, he's not a corner who's going to make him feel like he's been in a war. He may just get no catches. But, like, it's not like you're playing prime, I don't know, Revis Island or something. Like, he ain't that sort of physical specimen. So... Go out there and let's see what you can do. But also, in terms of having Jame on the field, that helps the other guys on the field. Amon Ra's going to have a bit more room. Josh Reynolds won't be facing one of the premier cornerbacks out there. So Jamo being out there helps the rest of the offense. And just because Source maybe lines up opposite him, we'll put Jamo in motion then. He's equally good from the slot as he is from anywhere else in the field. And if they're in zone as opposed to man, he ain't going to travel with him. And then... And then you've got him on a favourable matchup. So it doesn't have to be just what you're saying. But I I hear what you're saying about not risking him at a time when it doesn't seem necessary. We have 
Ryan, who's turned up. Ryan, how you doing, man? Good, yeah. Now I'm all ready. <laughs> He's here. You're ready to go to New York for Saturday, aren't you? I am, yes. Fly Saturday morning. Get there around 7pm Saturday tea time, I think. Not jealous. Not jealous at all. Not jealous at all is one of our guests coming in from the New York, uh, from the, sorry, get the name right in a minute, Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Dan is here. How are you doing, Dan? All good, guys. How are we doing? Not doing too bad. Yes. Yeah, so Ryan's going to watch the game. Are you nervous for him? Um, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> we're, uh, we've got we're, we're on form at home this year, so uh, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous for you, but just as just as jealous as well. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. We haven't really gone through the game at all as yet. We've really had a focus on the Lions. So the Giants coming in, they're obviously. Seven and two, which is, and I, I think I put this politely in your show yesterday, but slightly ahead of expectations. What's the biggest reason for? <laughs> what's the biggest reason for you guys having that many wins on the board? Has it been that you've been blowing other teams away, or the game plan just makes sense? You're out grinding teams, getting a bit lucky. Um, what's what's the reasons why you are where you are? Because I, I'm quite jealous. Uh, we're not blowing teams away by any stretch of the imagination, um, but personally, I think it comes down to coaching. Um, Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, the three of those guys are coaching these players to within an inch of their lives, and they're turning up every week, and our defence has been strong, our offence has been okay, um, but we're not making mistakes, we're not committing turnovers, you know, we're we're in... On the plus side of things, with regards to turnovers, and our defense is making plays. Um, we forced ten fumbles so far this year, which leads the league. Um, so our defense is is playing really, really hard. And having a player like Kayvon Thibodeau on that defensive line is creating havoc and allowing other players like Dexter Lawrence to be one on one and get through that line and make some plays on the quarterback. Um, coaching for me, it's it's. It's so refreshing to see a coach like Brian Dable come in and just a complete 180 from last year with Joe Judge. Uh, he believes in the players. He puts confidence into the players just by being himself. And I think having Joe Shane as the GM uh, come in at the beginning of the year, it was it was huge. You know, we, we've, we've been there with sort of Dave Gettleman over the last few years and... He was just running the team into the ground, so it's a it's a breath of fresh air. Joe Shane coming in and bringing in the coaches he wants, and it's, I mean, it's better than we could ever imagined. I mean, we're in year one of a rebuild, and we're seven and two, so I can't really ask for much more. To be fair, absolute dreamland. I mean, just to reel off some of the national media stats: twenty eighth overall per PFF, nineteenth per Football Outsiders. Offense is twenty fifth, twenty fourth per PFF, fifteenth by Football Outsiders, and the defence 27th by PFF and 24th by Football Outsiders. So mid-table to lower mid-table in most of those metrics. But I have a look at um, have a look at Pro Football Reference, and I think I've nailed down exactly what you're talking about with this defence. De- your defence ranks second in the NFL on third down, on not allowing third down conversions, and second in the NFL on not allowing fourth down conversions. So it's not maybe that down-to-down your defence is doing the business because otherwise the national metrics would be showing that. But when it comes to the money downs, you guys situationally are being fantastically coached, as you say. 
Yeah, and we're also not allowing touchdowns in the red zone as well. Our red zone defense is one of the best in the league as well. So it's it's the it's the big downs. It's those big moments in the game where you need that defense to step up, and they do, and they make those plays. And you look at you're the... absolutely right. Sorry, that's the red zone percentage was second. So third down, second red zone, second. Beg your pardon. That's yeah. Yeah, you look at those. You look at the level of talent we've got on the defense, and it's it's okay. You know, we we thought losing Blink, uh, Blake Martinez, Blake Martinez at the beginning of the year was going to be a massive loss for us, but they've introduced a mantra of this sort of next man up, and the next man up is is performing. You know, we lost Saving McKinney last week to that hand injury in, in that ATV accident, and. Don't don't go there. Don't go. <laughs> it's, it's, that's such a giant's thing. That's such a giant's injury. Um, you look back to obviously the um, the famous boat trip that happened, and then you look back before that, and Plaxico Burris shooting himself in the leg, and it's these things only happen to to giants players. So you know, Julian Love's come in and stepped up where McKinney's not there as well. So. Players are stepping up on the defensive line when we're losing players. When we're losing players like uh, Leonard Williams, and so it's just that next man up mantra is it working. And for whatever, I don't know how Brian Dable's done it, but he's instilled that in this team, and it just seems to be working so well. Questions, fellas. I think first of all, um, I just want to say a big thank you for beating the Packers. You're um, most welcome. We, I think we all thoroughly enjoyed that game, um, oh, and obviously we'll, with the occasion. How was that game for you? Um, I mean, I've been to the all three of the Giants games in London, and that was by far and above the the best of the three. Um, nobody, none of us expected to beat Green Bay that week. Um, being as a Packers home game, you know the Packers travelled ridiculously well. I mean, there was it was a wall of green and gold in that stadium. And during the first half, it was so loud, unbelievably loud. Um, but then the second half, we turned it around. And at the end of the game, all you could hear was big blue fans going crazy. And the the Packers fans were a little bit quiet at the end of that game. So it was a great game. We made some uh, fantastic plays and we come away with that from that game with a, with a win. We're now 3-0 in London. Um, and the, the previous two years we've been to London, we've uh, finished the season with a winning record. So, you know, it's it's looking good this year as well. But yeah, what a game that was. What a weekend it was for, for myself and the other guys on my podcast. Um, just, it, there were so many pinch yourself moments. Uh, managed to wind up at the filming of the Eli Manning show on the Friday. Um, got to meet the guy himself. Signed, my, signed, signed some jerseys for us. Um, and then the Saturday we were at um, Giants Kickoff Live. Uh, we just there was there was so much going on that weekend. It was unreal, um, and it's probably one of the best weekends of my life. So yeah, the game just topped it off and was the cherry on the top, really. So just yeah. Hey Jaguars fans are particularly um, annoying, but we've come to find that UK Packers fans are even more annoying. And, uh, <laughs> um, absolutely yeah. Are. So, so obviously, you know, you've stopped um, one of the great quarterbacks of modern times in Aaron Rodgers. How are you going to cope with Jared Goff? <laughs> uh, it's a it's a good question. Um, I think our our pass rush is is 
uh, stronger than it was last year, a lot stronger than it was last year. Thibodeau's causing all manner of chaos on coming off the edge, and like I said allowing those interior linemen to be one on one with off the opposing offensive linemen, and they're and they're getting through and making plays. We're we're putting pressure on the quarterback like you wouldn't believe. We lead the league in um, blitzing percentages, which was is not a surprise um, with Wink Martindale being the DC. So. I think just putting that pressure on Jared Goff might push him into making some mistakes. I hope. Uh, going forward, how do you feel about Daniel Jones? Do you feel like this has kind of saved his career going forward? Do you feel comfortable going forward the next season? Because between the start of his career and now, it's kind of been like a bit like a make-a-wish foundation. Played a bit like he's got special needs, gives the ball away a lot. But this year... He's actually really cleaned that up a bit. And like you say, it's coaching. Is it him summit's click to stop silly fumbles, interceptions? So do you think he is the man going forward or do you still have a have your eye on a QB in the draft, even though you won't be picking very highly? To be honest, I mean, we had this conversation last night on our podcast actually as well, to be fair. Um, I think he's beginning to show signs that he can be the guy moving forward. Um, when we picked him, obviously, in the draft four years ago, it was kind of... Okay, well, uh, there was better quarterbacks in the draft, but we'll go with it. And he just reminds us all of Eli Manning. Um, the first three years was not great. Um, turned the ball over too many times and just, yeah, that ball security just wasn't there. But this year, he's only thrown two interceptions through nine games. And his you know, he, he, can make, he can make some crazy plays with his legs. And the great thing about, about this offense is... Mike Kafka and and Dabo have dialed up some plays purely for his legs, and he's he's doing really well in the ground game as well. So, I think moving forward, if he carries on this season doing what he's doing at the moment, um, I don't see any reason why he he won't be a quarterback come um, September next year. Any other questions, lads? From a, a Giants point of view, what what have you made of the the Lions kind of um, incredibly inconsistent, mercurial, whatever you want to call it? Like, I, I would imagine if you're not a big Lions watcher, it's hard to pin down like you know how, how we're going to play from one week to the next. We don't know, and we watch them every week. So, what what's your kind of perspective on the on the Lions from what you've seen? I mean, the one th- one of the things I'm I'm jealous about you guys is that you're actually scoring a fair amount of points each game I mean a bar barring the the shout against Patriots the Patriots and the Green Bay game I think more more often than not you're scoring pretty highly I mean look at the 48 to 45 you had earlier on in the season as well so there's a lot of points you're putting on the board um and you're, you're making you're making the other team score even more than you are I mean whether that's you know you're you're coming back from a you know, a, a large deficit, or you're you're in the game throughout the whole game. To be fair, like for the fact you're three and six, standing as you are, if the, if a couple of things went your way, you could easily be six and three. So you've you've been in a lot of tight games as well, as far as I'm, as far as I can remember. So if the tables had turned and you, you that luck had gone your way instead of them against you, like I said, you could easily be six and three and and be sitting just behind us if not with us in in the standards in the NFC so i think point scoring for me is 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 big for for you guys and so i think it's it's something i'm actually quite jealous of because we haven't scored over 30 points at all this season so i think that might change this weekend because 
you know if if you're if you're going to put up the points we've got to put up the points to match you so you know we've uh, we all sort of made our predictions yesterday and the the, the over under sitting at 45 and a half and we all think it's going to go over that um so we'll see what happens but i know the money line um, obviously the giants are the favorites but at the same time uh, the spread's now down to three points and obviously the giants being the home team traditionally the home team gets three points and beginning of the week it was a five and a half so it's been a lot of money coming in for you guys so i don't see that this isn't an easy this isn't an easy game at all um we said the the game last week against houston was going to be a bit of a trap game and we came away luckily we came away with the win we didn't play great but we did enough to get the win i think this this week the game is is tougher than the game was last week against houston and i wouldn't i i, I wouldn't be surprised um if you guys came into MetLife and actually got the win. Um, but at the same time, I don't want that to happen, obviously. But, uh, the, you know, it's, uh, we kind of knew we were going to lose to Seattle when we, went out, when we went out west and it happened. And there was just sort of, there's some niggling thing in the back of my mind that says, this is a trap game. We can't be that confident because, you know, you can score points. And if we can't put the points on the board, then, you know, you're going to come away with a win. So it's going to be an interesting game, that's for sure. It's going to be a tight one. Was the, the um, oh go on, go on. I was about to say was was the Eagles losing the other day possibly bad for you because now there's a possibility that you might get the conference if does that ramp up the pressure for you guys and if it is do you reckon the team can handle it and maybe take them all the way because before if they were unbeaten it's like oh well they're far ahead of us we can't catch them but now the opportunity is there can they deal with it? Um, I think the the. The team this year has been fairly consistent, and you know, with each week their confidence builds and builds and builds. I think Philadelphia losing on Monday night to to Washington, I laughed, <laughs> I laughed and laughed and laughed because I know nobody saw that coming, and it's always nice to see Philly lose. But no, I completely agree with that. The fact that we're now one game behind them in the East, we still got to play them twice um, over the last seven weeks of the year, and there's a lot, there's there's a lot at stake. You know, there's potential number one seed in the NFC at stake. So they've got to be realistic and look at it and think this is within reach now. We could be the worst number one seed in the NFC of all time, but at the end of the day, I don't care because we'd be the number one seed, you know. Um, so, yeah, so I think the pressure is on. Absolutely. You know, we nobody expected to be 7-2, and two, um, but the pressure the pressure is definitely on. But I think the way they've dealt with that pressure so far, especially with the pressure from like the New York media, uh, the way they've dealt with it so far has been fantastic, and I think if we carry on doing what we're doing week in week out, um, then you know the the sky's the limit for these for this team. But I think the good thing with the coaching team is they sort of keep the team humble and keep the team sort of focused on you know next game, next game, next game. They're not looking in the, ahead into the future, but at this stage, it's got to be in the back of their minds. You're about, um, you, you're talking about you've got to put points on the board. Obviously, Thibodeau was like your, you know, kind of got has got a lot of focus in terms of um, first round picks. But I wondered what your thoughts were on Evan Neal, so the guy that you t took second in the first round, and Saquon Barkley's kind of mini renaissance has anything to do with like an improved O line for the Giants? Because obviously, Daniel Jones has spent a couple of seasons scrambling about under a lot. Yeah, I think. Evan Neal, um, obviously picking number seven overall, we we were, at, you know, so happy with that pick um, because 
we needed help on the offensive line. And he having those two bookends on the offensive line in uh, Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal has been fantastic for us. We've missed Evan Neal over the last couple of games, um, but Tyree Phillips has, has slotted in. You know, he's really, really, he's a guard and he's playing at right tackle. So, you know, our offensive line has, for the last few years has been, I mean, poor. I mean, that's that's putting it lightly as well. It's been it's been poor, but there's always been that one constant in Andrew Thomas. Now they've got someone else on the other side, um, in in Evan Neal. It's it's definitely shored things up a bit. He's looking like looking like he's back from his injury, but I don't think he's gonna go. I don't think he's gonna go this weekend. He'll he's probably gonna be in line for the Dallas game, which is a shame. But I think having that you know consistent um, offensive line has allowed Barkley to. To be the number one rusher in the league, and he's now not Barkley's now at the point where you know he's had so many injuries over the last few years. He's this is the first preseason, full preseason he's had um, since his rookie year, and so he's now he's confident. He's he knows what he can do. He knows he can run the ball, and he's not now not scared of getting injured like he was last year and the year before because the offensive line is there creating the holes for him, and he's. Pounding through him, so yeah, having Evan Neal has, has definitely helped the offensive line, and, and I believe helped Barkley to be where he is now as well. I've got a question from a listener, uh, Dan Pask, who's basically the greatest Lions listener of all time, who's basically on every single show of every single podcast, which is insane. He's asked a really good question, um, which is in the hearts and minds of Lions fans everywhere, and it's about a player we talked about yesterday in Kenny Golladay. Mm-hmm. He um. He was a guy that we seriously, seriously had back and forth with about 50% of the fan base split on whether to tag him, whether to sign him, or whether to let him walk. We let him walk, and he gets signed to this bumper deal, you know, league-leading deal for wide receiver and free agency. And it seemed like, you know, that it was a slight overpay, but the guy's production was excellent. And, you know, that he kind of deserved to get paid, which is why we couldn't afford to do it. But he seems to have fallen off a cliff. What's what's happened? Um, injuries, confidence. Kenny Golladay just hasn't happened for the Giants. We paid him a load of money and he's just not performed. He's not, he's, he's not performed to what his potential was coming from Detroit. You know, he, he put up some great numbers. You know, he had Matt Stafford throwing some di- absolute bombs and dimes to him and, and he, he put up some big numbers in Detroit and he's just not performed and not produced in New York. And, you know, we definitely did overpay for him, 72 million over four years. Um, and the guy can't catch a break. He can't catch, you know, he's constantly injured. And then when he comes back from injury, he drops the ball. Uh, the drop, the drop against uh, um, Houston at the weekend, where it just went straight through his hands. I'm sorry, you, you're getting paid that amount of money, and you can't catch a, a, a simple, easy pass like that on a third down. Which, if you'd have made the pass, you had green grass in front of you, and there's a, a long gain and a third down conversion. Uh, you're, he was rightly benched after that, and you could see him on the sideline afterwards, head in his hands, and just sort of mulling his life over. Really, where, where, what's gone wrong? But to answer your question, I don't know what's gone wrong. It's just, it's just not worked for him. Whether the offensive system we had over the last two two years um, was an issue for him, don't know. Whether the coach over the last couple of years was an issue for him, I don't know. But he's not done 
anywhere near what we expected him to do for that amount of money. And I think come the end of this year, he's going to be a free agent. He's, he's going to be gone. To be expected, I, I guess. Um, let's turn our attention at the back half of this interview to talk about this specific game and your impressions on where you can hurt us and where we can hurt you. You know, where where's this game being won as you see it? This game is being won uh, on the ground. I think if Bark Barkley can have a a field day with with your defense, he can he can um, have a really big day. I think, but at the same time, if you're you know like if your defense steps up and stops him, that makes us very one dimensional and makes us turn to Daniel Jones to start throwing the ball downfield. And I think when the pressure's on him that much. Um, he can let a little bit, let a few mistakes and, and creep in, and you know this this offense is is built to it's built to run through Barkley, and then everything else is very much sort of uh, play action and short gain passing the game. You know that sort of short gain uh, in the passing game. There's you know the, the slate and catch at the weekend, the slate and catch and run at the weekend, the fifty four yard touchdown was very unexpected because we don't make long um, passing plays. We don't make big, long completions. It's very much a case of eight, ten-yard completions over the middle uh, or sort of you know screen passes, things like that. So if Barkley gets stuffed, then we turn to the, the passing game and Daniel Jones then has to perform. And I think your, your pass defense is better than your run defense, so it would be, uh, be interesting to see. I see. I see some some faces there. Like maybe not, but you know, I think you you guys can definitely hurt our secondary because our secondary doesn't have the greatest amount of talent, and they play well, they play hard, but at the same time, you know, because we blitz so much, you can catch us in single coverage and and potentially exploit us that way as well. You got Odori Jackson back there, who's uh a heck of a defender. I'm a big Jackson fan. But yeah, I see what you're saying about this matchup. Uh, we've got about five minutes left, I think. Guys, any last questions and then we'll go to a score prediction to finish? I've got a question. You currently start seven and two, having a good year. For you, obviously wide receiver, what are the holes that need repairing and what do you what do you target in free agency in the draft? Because you're gonna be picking like 23 onwards so you're not going to get a big hitter potentially but what areas do you focus because like I said, you're going to trade kenny surely so that leaves a gaping hole receiver but where else yeah receiver we need some i mean we, we were a bit surprised we didn't make any moves at receiver before the trade deadline but at the same time the what the the value wasn't there on the market so we didn't make a move um so yeah receiver definitely i think we do need help in a linebacker as well um you know Tay Crowder was sort of the our linebacker one at the beginning of the season and he was Mr. Irrelevant a few years ago. So we do need some help at linebacker and I think in our defense our secondary as well, we they're good. They they play hard, but I think you know, we really sort of need that that cornerback too to go alongside of Dory Jackson. And the last place the last position I really do think we need some um ex- depth that is tight end because without Dan Bellinger at the moment we're we're really struggling at tight end. I know um Cager caught a, a touchdown catch at the at the weekend. Uh the guy that come from come over from the Jets, but 
in ordinarily. I mean, I know we we let Evan Engram go in the off season, um, but ordinarily, someone like Lawrence Cager, I believe that's his name, <laughs> um, he would be probably a, a practice squad candidate at best. So, yeah, tight ends are another area of improvement. I think we need. Oh, I love Ballinger though. Ballinger's my guy. He was in the draft. Um, I got two questions for you from the chat, and then we'll do a score prediction. The first one is regarding this. Brian Daybol interview talking about hiring Dan Campbell in Miami. I don't know if you've seen this interview. No. Giants Wire. Giants Wire wrote a piece on it four hours ago, so it must have been today's press conference. But he talks about, um, or Daybol talks about Tony Soprano, uh, Sparano. Beg your pardon, not Soprano. That's a different guy. Um, <laughs> uh, saying, I've got this guy who would be good. Why don't we interview him? So he says, so I interviewed Dan and it was a great interview. He's slamming chairs on the ground and hitting walls and going through all these drills. You guys know him. He's a fantastic person, great family. It was an entertaining interview. He knew a lot, very passionate, tough as nails. He was out of breath in half of that interview with the stuff he was doing. Yeah, great guy. And then, of course, he ended up hiring him. Um, is Dayball known for handing out such praise to opposition coaches? It seems like a bit of a, a weird flex. Um, I mean... That is, yeah, he's he's obviously a fan of Dan Campbell. Um, to be fair, I'm a fan of Dan Campbell as well. From watching watching um, Hard Knocks at the beginning of the year, I thought I, th- I thought he came across really well, um, and he came across really passionately. And you could see that he just wants to win. He's 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 a he's a competitor. He just wants to win. Um, you know, I think Dable's been a breath of fresh air for us. And whether he praises coaches or not, other, you know, opposition coaches or not. That's down to him, but if if the he coaches the way he coaches us, has coached us so far this season into the future, then the future is looking very bright for us. Absolutely. Um, last question from the chat was from Rob, who says, "In the battle of the top edges in the draft, who's going to have the bigger game on Sunday, Hutch or Tibbs?" Um, I mean, Tibbs is getting double teamed so often. Um, which is frustrating, but at the same time, it's it's given it's showing him the respect he deserves. Um, I very I like Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he has so much potential, so much talent to be one of the best um, edge rushers in this league. And I think Hutch has a better game than Tibbs purely because Tibbs has he's he's not got that. Little, that spark, that thing, that extra half yard that he needs to get to the quarterback. He's so close all the time, um, but we'll we'll see. I think yeah, I think Hutchinson has a, has a better game at the weekend, but I think Thibodeau is 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 improving week you know week by week, and it's only going to be a matter of time until he has a, a, a multiple sack game and has his sort of breakout game of the you know whether that's this year in his rookie year or next year. Um, it remains to be seen, but it, the, the, he's getting the he's getting the um, the respect he deserves in the fact that he's being double teamed by a lot of opposing teams' offensive lines. So, but yeah, I think I think I think Hutchinson has a better game this weekend. Yeah, okay, and we're going to give our score predictions at the end of the show, but I know that you're going to be on your way in just a second. So, why don't you give us your score prediction for this game? Cool. Well, we've we've sort of spoken a little while, you know, for a little while about the fact that we we we're due to have a game where we score more than 30 points. Um, and I think this is the weekend 
that we score more than 30 points. But then at the same time, I think you guys score highly as well. I think, like I said, the over-unders at 45.5, and, and I think it comes in over that. Um, my prediction on our, on our pod last night was 36-33 Giants, and I'm sticking with that. Sounds good to me. And I talk. Want to see a good game. I say good, but you know, in terms of what you're saying for yourself. <laughs> but there we go. Um, talk to us about the podcast about Big Blue UK and Ireland. I was on your show yesterday, and that may be of interest to Lions fans. So tell us where to find you and how it's been going, because we spoke to you guys in the draft in in 2021. Uh, so how's things been going since then, and and where are you at? What's your handles and all that stuff? Yeah, so um, you can find us on on Twitter, on Instagram at Big Blue UK Ireland. Um, literally, the draft so in, in twenty twenty one was sort of. I mean, we'd been going for maybe about a month at that point. Um, so it's been a a roller coaster eighteen months. Um, we've thoroughly enjoyed the ride, and it's now become a passion of ours. You know, back in sort of back last year, we were we were four guys. We kind of we kind of knew knew each well no three guys even because Craig wasn't with us at, at the beginning of last year. Um, we were three guys. We kind of knew each other, um, but we just wanted to get something going. And now we're we're four mates. Uh, we talk football every week, and we absolutely love what we do. Um, it's it's a pleasure to to sit down and talk Giants football every week, and it makes it just that little bit sweeter that we're actually winning. <laughs> So yeah, at, at Big Blue UK Ireland on Twitter, on Instagram, and you can also find us. We're part of the New York Giants Fans UK on uh, on Facebook, and that's how it's that that page is essentially how we all got together and created this this podcast that we're, that we're doing now. And you're doing great work. And Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Just had comments in the chat saying crossovers are great. Need to keep doing them. Uh, Giovanni Lyons just said, "What a humble fella." You know, loads of nice comments in there and it means a lot to us so thanks dan and hopefully speak to you maybe draft time good yeah, luck definitely. for sunday thanks for having us guys really appreciate it and uh, thanks to the listeners for the uh for the love really do appreciate that but yeah speak to you soon guys take care cheers dan right all right there goes dan from big blue uk and ireland really grateful to him for coming on to the show i'm just going to reel off some stats just because i've missed that early doors and i would have got through that by now so Bear with me while I just give you all the stats you need to know in this game. Giants are 7-2. and two. Pro Football Reference say that their average win-loss record should be 4.9 to 4.1. So they are 2.1 games above expectation. They w- beat the Tennessee Titans game one. They then won at home against Carolina 19-16. Lost against Cowboys 23-16 at home. Beat the, <laughs> beat the Bears. Beat Green Bay. Beat Baltimore. Beat Jacksonville, then lost to Seattle, and then recently, last Sunday, just beat Houston. The Lions are five to four in this game, and the betting Giants thirteen to eight on, translating to a three-point spread in favor of the Giants. And over/under per bet fair, all of this is forty-five and a half. In terms of the injury report, uh, in fact, I'll start off with the IR players for the Giants. So Sterling Shepard and Aziz Ojolari are the guys that are key on IR, and they have forty-nine million dollars in dead money this season so they have a big cap handicap much like we did last year maybe not quite as much but it's a quarter of their cap on dead money so it's a significant amount in terms of the injury reports they have still not come out yet officially for the lions they were missing quite a few players benson decker pascal ragnow reynolds and williams on wednesday of those 
Jamal Williams, Josh Reynolds, and Taylor Decker have returned, but still no Benson, uh, Benson, Ragnar, or Pascal. They have not returned. Um, limited was also Deshaun Elliott, but full practice, this is on Wednesday now because they don't have the rest of the information. Chase Lucas, Ifartu Malafonwu, Matt Nelson, Malcolm Rodriguez, and DeAndre Swift all fully practice on Wednesday. So good news, especially for Malcolm and for DeAndre Swift, full practice. So hopefully trending towards playing in this game. For the Giants, they were missing Bellinger, Dexter Lawrence, and Kayvon Thibodeau on Wednesday. Now, Lawrence was a veteran rest day, but he is also carrying a back injury. They also have five limited players, Dane Belton, Kenny Golladay, Evan Neal, Wondell Robinson, and Jihad Ward. So both teams fairly banged up. As I say, the Giants are either carrying a few players on IR or missing a lot in dead money as well. I've already given you their PFF and Football Outsiders stats for DVOA. On offense, obviously, the quarterback is Daniel Jones. 156 completions on 237 attempts is 65.8% completion percentage. Only eight passing touchdowns this season, but only two interceptions. Passer rating 92.7, quarterback rating 60.3. Also on the ground has 69 carries for 387 yards and three touchdowns. It's 5.6 yards per, uh, per carry and a PFF grade of 65.5. But the offense as we've heard, really runs through Saquon Barkley. 198 carries, 931 yards and six touchdowns. That leads the NFL in rushing yards, 4.7 yards per carry. 29 of 36 in the receiving game as well for 197 yards, 6.8 yards per catch, and a PFF grade of 79.6. Otherwise, their key players are on their offensive line. Andrew Thomas is the highest rated left tackle in football per PFF, 89.6 PFF grade, 606 snaps, nine pressures, no sacks allowed. Exceptional season from someone who had such a bad rookie season on defense. They really have done some great things with that defensive line. The nose tackle, he wasn't a nose tackle up until this year, really, but the nose tackle, Dexter Lawrence, taking about 60 to 70% of his snaps at the zero technique has been exceptional. He has two passes defended, a forced fumble, five sacks, 33 tackles, 16 solo tackles, four tackles for a loss, 16 quarterback hits, and a PFF grade of 91.1. From the zero technique, his 16 quarterback hits are three times higher than the person in second place. That is how good he has been so far this year, which means that Ragnall being out of practice through Wednesday and Thursday is a massive worry. The rest of the offensive line, uh, defensive line have been pretty good too. Leonard Williams, a forced fumble, one and a half sacks, 26 tackles, 16 of which solo, one tackle for a loss, seven quarterback hits, and a PFF grade of 87.6. Kayvon Thibodeau has flashed but not had the consistency. Three passes defended, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, a sack, 18 tackles, 12 of which solo, three quarterback hits, and a PFF grade of 65.3. Lot to get through there, there. But I think the thing to take away from that initially is that defense on that defensive line, playing that three-full scheme that we were playing last year, which is actually five on that defensive line, is wreaking havoc with people and not letting them move whatsoever. And it starts... At that nose tackle position, but not with Kayvon, but with Dexter Lawrence, boys. Oh, I worry. If if Regnow can't go, we're in big trouble. I don't trust Evan Brown to stop Dexter Lawrence. Penny Sewell, I think, will bottle up. I think he'll put Kayvon in his back pocket. This isn't the week Kayvon breaks out. I just don't see it. Like I say, defence is stout. 
secondary. I'd say the Blitz game as well. I think like Amon Ra and that will have a failed day, Khalif Raymond. If they're just going to blitz and we're just going to find gaps across the middle, that is where we can hurt them. They're going to leave gaps wide open across the middle and we'll just pass through on shallow crossing routes and that's where we're going to knife them. So the front worries me, everything behind it, I think we can pick it off fairly comfortably. But yeah, offensive line is going to have a big old day. It's, it's going to be fun, that back in the trenches. It's going to be won or lost on the ground in the trenches this game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think um, I think it's a massive test for Sewell, Decker, Ragnar. Um, it's going to be one of the, the, the hardest tests. Um, and I kind of worry about our production in terms of Jamal Williams and um, you know Swift. I mean, Swift's going to need to be prepared to take contact and to have to you know, run through some bodies and I'm just not sure he's up to it based on what I've seen in the last few weeks. I don't know what you guys thought about about how Swift's playing at the moment. Like crap. It's all up there. You're right. It's like Saquon Barkley. Swift right now has got no bottle and to come out and say I'm not injury prone, he needs to keep telling himself that but we all know that's full of shit. And this game, he will not return run between the tackles or get pancaked. So, I don't want Swift getting touches. Unless it's the red zone, I'm not interested in playing him. This is not the week to try boost his confidence. Leave that to next year. I mean, it's a case of, you know, you've you've got to run the ball on these guys. You know, you take away the pass pass rush threat of Dexter Lawrence of Cave and Thibodeau, because Cabo can't run block the ship. This is the worst run defense in the league in terms of yards given up per game. You can run on these guys. There is a lot of teams that run on these guys very easy. It's when you get down to the red zone, you have problems with them. Their red zone defense is incredibly good. It's second best in the league when it comes to giving up touchdowns. But, you know, I would trust my guys to go out there and win this. We made Kenny Clark look like a jackass two weeks ago, and he's the best nose tackle in the NFL period. So, you know, I trust my offensive line to be able to go out there and run the ball down their throat and take the time off the clock. Because this is the big issue here. It's time on the field. You know, they have the fourth best time of possession in the entire NFL. So that means guys like Dexter Lawrence, they're fresh, they're healthy. They don't have to play that much at home. They average over 35 minutes of possession. You know, that's a lot. You know, it's over 10 more minutes per game than the opposition's getting. If he's that much healthier, that much fitter, that much fresher, you can go out and make those plays. So it's about wearing this defense down. It's blitz heavy. Well, you know, run the ball. Take away that threat from the blitz. Got good guys on the interior against pass. Run the damn ball. That's 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 all you've got to do with this game is run the ball and run it hard. Jamal's playing really well at the minute. He gets the hard, dirty yards that he needs to. You know, I trust him to go out and do this. You know, even if Ragnar's not good to go, but Evan's still practicing at right guard. He's not practicing at center. There's no reason to believe that Frank ain't going to go for this one. I think we can run the ball there because there's a lot of success to be had. And I think in the process, you negate these pass issues, which they're so damn good with. Just don't come out like you do against the Bears and start trying to throw it straight away because then you'll be in a whole world of trouble. But it's easy to run the ball on this team. They've got no linebackers. So get through that line and you've got acres of space to run into and exploit. So that's what we do. I think Justin Jackson, I think this is the big week for Justin Jackson. He has got more carries every week and he's he's getting first downs, he's getting between the tackles, but he can also bounce outside. I'd give him a hefty workload this week. If they don't want to run through the nose tackle, give it to Justin, let him try and run outside. So I agree. 
let's pound the rock on them. Let's test them. Perfect week to use our super back. That's why we have fullbacks, a guy in there to be the blocker, the excess blocker to go in and make even more room. If Dexter Lawrence has given Evan Brown a bit of a hard time, have Kabinda in there, second hit, making those gaps, forcing the ball down their throat. That is what New York do. They force the ball down your throat with Saquon Bartley. Only Derrick Henry has rushed the ball more times this season than Saquon Bartley. That's by about four carries. And Tennessee run him onto the ground each day, every day. That's what they do to you. They just ground and pound, keep you on the field, so that even a bog-standard quarterback like Daniel Jones can take advantage of a tired defense that's knackered from trying to stop Saquon and has been out there for so long. So you've got to turn the tables and do that back to them. You've just got to keep running the ball down their throat, keep the defense out there, make these prime players they've got tired, reduce their effectiveness, take time off the board. Don't give them a chance to score on you. you know. And we're capable of doing that. We've got the bits now. We've got people coming back from injury. You know, The squad's getting healthier. So, I, again, I think we can do it. And I think the Giants are under a lot of pressure now because that division is wide open. I mean, they're not even safe in terms of going for a wild card in that. Washington are only two games behind at the bottom of the division. They've not been used to pressure like this for a few years now. So, you know, is it going to buckle them? I don't, I don't know if they're ready to do it. But I know that we're damn sure ready to run the ball on them. So in terms of running the ball, uh, in terms of run defense, the New York Giants have given up 133.2 yards per game. That's 24th in the NFL. But at home, they've given up 156.6 yards per game on the ground. That's no 20. uh, I can't count 30th in the NFL. So they're even worse at home on run defense than they are away, which I found really really bizarre but they are certainly not the best run defense team in the world but the amount of pressure they exert on running downs especially with that blitz package that they run so many stunts so many blitzes obviously you said wink martindale is cause is calling a huge amount of blitzes bringing over that sort of baltimore um scheme and it is masking a load of problems they have on defense and let's move on to the idea of Goff versus pressure and what our wide receivers can do to that secondary. Do you guys think, given the weakness in the secondary, which has been identified by our guest, and the fact that they like to blitz quite heavily, can our O-line give Goff enough time to throw the ball on them? Because as much as running the ball is going to be a way to win this game, Goff is going to have to throw at some point. We've seen it from this Lions team too many times. Actually, Goff has bailed us out in games, especially last week. Can he do it on Sunday? Providing you're in short yardage situations, yes, because you get the ball out of his hands quick. You've seen how much they, they bring so many people on the blitz. It is so easy for a guy like Amon Ra to get in behind them, match himself on one of these piss poor linebackers that they've got, and really make some devastating plays on them here. You know, get it in short yardage and then your money. That's what you've got to do. You know, the Texans were not able to do that this weekend. When the Texans were able to impose their will on in terms of the run game, I think it's right at the start of the second quarter, they had success play after play after play after play, just kept running it down their throats, didn't need Davis Mills to do too much for them, and they got him into favourable situations where he was able to pass the ball better. That's the little bit of success they had. Unfortunately for them, they kept falling behind the sticks all the time and they had to force him to throw, which is why they ended up losing. But just for little parts in that game, you saw the you saw the method of victory against these guys. Take that pass rush out. You know, when you blitz so much, I mean, the Lions blitz all the time and we couldn't do it because we couldn't get to the quarterback. And because teams were running on us, 
we weren't in favourable situations to really go blitzing to try and get football, but we had to out of necessity, and it didn't work. We got burned all the time. So, you know, I just wouldn't, you know, I, I hope they've seen the same, but Jared Goff needs to be a glorified handoff merchant this week who's needed every now and then just to keep the defence honest. But we have the tools to be able to carve through this line. Dexter Lawrence can't block everybody. And I don't rate the rest of that defensive line's ability to block the run. Like I said, they're giving up 5.4 yards per carry. It's most in the NFL. The only trouble teams aren't running on them as much is because the Giants are ahead a lot of the time and teams are coming from behind and can't run it. But five and a half yards of carry is a lot. So that's all we need to do. Just run the damn ball. Keep it out of Jared Goff's hands. Because you saw when Mills was taking his sacks, he was panicking. And the one thing Goff does under pressure... He panics, you know. I know he's been better in recent weeks, but when you get in, when you get blitzed by so many guys, you just panic and you go into, you know, this mode where you throw the ball anywhere, you give it up easy. We don't want to put him in that situation. So just run the damn ball and leave it at that. I think the issue is for us has got to be like not getting penalties on us and ending up in lots of three and ten, three and fifteen situations. Because it's just at that point when Goff has to hold the ball that these blitzes are going to come down. And we just know what Goff's like in these situations. I think you're right. Um, and like Goff's got to let the ball go quickly because, you know, we, he, he just won't have the time. Um, and my worry is that Goff under pressure, you know, can be jumpy and he can throw picks. Like, you know, we've seen some really good play from Goff this season, but. I just don't think this is a great matchup for us. I just think, I don't know, I think it's easy. I think, you know, bring two tight ends in, bring three tight ends in, have Amon Ra out there on his own, put a mismatch in the middle for him, give the impression you're going to run the ball, get them to sell the house on it, get your playmakers in behind and take advantage of them. Hell, put Swift in there and do a bit of that if you want and let Jamal do the running in this game, but... I, I don't know. I just I feel like we do have the correct skill set of players needed to do this. We don't need big play players who are going to make 60-yard gains downfield or anything. That's not how it works. That blitz scheme just closes you down too quick. But what we do have is the intermediate, in the middle of the field threats to take advantage of the worst part of their defense by a long way. So I actually think this plays into us as long as the offensive line runs the ball, run blocks well, and gets us getting there. If we can implement this straight away, like we did against the Bears, Bears only got three drives against us in the first half of the last game, and they started with the ball. You know, that's how long we were sustaining drives. You know, they were as well to a degree. But, you know, you've got to be very disciplined on the line of scrimmage here. Stop them running it, and you take away everything about that offense. Danny Jones still can't win a game on his own. You need Saquon Barkley's help, and that's why they've been winning games this year. So you've just got to be very disciplined. So Ant's keys to win clearly are run the ball. Ryan, what do you reckon we need to do? When you're in attendance, what are you looking for from this Lions team? As Steve said, absolutely no false starts, no penalties, because we're playing the second-best team on third down. If we're in third and 10 and third and 15, the game is over because we will not get the time for players to develop when they start blitzing. We won't be able to wait for guys to get free downfield, 10, 15 yards. So discipline, number one, do not get penalised. Number two, tight ends. If they're going to blitz them, and we, if they're going to send their backers on blitzes and leave that field wide open, James Mitchell, Shane Zilstra, 
like I say, get them to just bail and just sit comfy zones or just get the ball out to them. Just dump it off. Literally just check down. This is going to be a check down game. As soon as they give you what you can take, take it. So, yeah, get fast balls. DeAndre Swift, like I say, as soon as he's out, just let him scamper and just go and sit in hall. That's all we need to do. Don't need splash players. Like I say, we just need to control time of possession because they're so good at it. That means long six, seven, eight-minute drives that end up in points because they're one of the best in the red zone as well. So you've got to get creative in the red zone. We need to see Ben Johnson pull out all the tricks. We need to see the tight ends faking. We need to see the end arounds, the reverses. We're not going to be able to just run Jamal Williams up the middle. That just won't work in the red zone because they will just go jumbo set and they'll meet him in the middle. So we're going to have to be creative in the red zone. And on defence, Daniel Jones is still a fucking scrub. Let's not put a bow on it. He's shit. Darius Slayton, bang average. Wondell Robinson, overrated. Kenny Galladay won't be there next year. He's the most over. He's got the worst attitude I've ever seen. He's so fucking entitled, little brat. He's the most expensive paperweight in football right now. So if we pass rush Ryan, him, why, why don't you get... tell the guys what you really think about the Giants' offence? Daniel Jones, man, like I say, literally, if you get to him, those turnovers will rack up. I don't trust him whatsoever, especially if Evan Neal can't go. I think it's a Terry Phillips, get Hutch on him. Wherever, wherever Andrew Thomas isn't, Hutch, other side. If they have to move him around, fine. Get the matchup on the offensive line that we want. Because, like I say, he said Hutch is going to have a big game. I think he will be too. They can't block everyone. So, yeah. Like I said, turnovers, like their receiving card does not scare me in the slightest. And it's not going to hurt us. I'll put good money in not hurting us. If it hurts us, I will have a meltdown and Lorraine will shower me if I start cursing. If they start throwing the ball on us, I feel sorry for a beer. Those are the keys to victory. No penalties. Get the ball out quickly. As you mentioned, establish the run. Like I said, just mix up the backs, two back sets, multiple tight ends. Just mix it up. This game is this game is very winnable. They are very fraudulent, seven and two. They're, 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 it flatters them. That record really flatters them. You've got to be aggressive against the run as well. I mean, that's what we're doing against Bears. We've got four holding calls against Larry Borum. That wrecked their drives. You know, if your D-line is aggressive and can draw those holding calls and take the run game away from them, put them behind the sticks so they can't run the ball, you know, you have to be, be equally as aggressive against them. And like I say, draw those fouls because they have had lots of games where they've drawn eight, nine penalties. You know, they are not averse. They are an indisciplined team when they want to be. So if you can keep drawing those fouls, getting those 10 yards back, then that makes that makes it so, so, so much easier for you as a team. I, I think I think for me, keys to victory, stop Saquon Barkley, like make sure we're really disciplined, tight on run defence. And I think between... Jerry Jacobs, Jeff Okuda, and Kirby. I think we're going to get two out of th- two out of three. Of those players are going to get a pick this week. I think ja- Daniel Jones is going to throw two picks. I think Okuda, my money, back to back picks this week. Um, their receivers are rubbish. Um, you know, I am worried about our run defense, but I think that this is a real chance for our, our defense to win win a game with some like big turnovers. And I think, yeah, Akuda and maybe Jerry Jacobs, his first pick of the year. Can't wait. So for me, what I'm looking for is to see at least seven guys in the box 
at all times, and maybe eight, you cannot risk having your percentage of people with eight in the box lower than first against this team. Daniel Jones or Saquon or Matt Breda, who actually had a good game last week, they're going to be running the ball. That's how they win. Do not let them win by running the ball. If Daniel Jones beats you with his arm because he has a freakishly good game out of absolutely nowhere, shrug your shoulders and say fair play. Like, didn't see that coming. You cannot let Saquon win this game, like Steve said. That's one of the massive, massive keys to victory for me. You know, all the stuff you guys said about establishing the run and whatever like that is fine. But if Saquon wins a time of possession, like Ant said, your game's done. The other thing is actually something that Ryan said, but I'm going to take the opposite view on it a little bit. In some form or fashion, I want Hutch against their right tackle because... That was great on passing downs. You got to get him into passing downs first. Third and ten, absolutely move Hutch to that left end to have a go at that right tackle. But he's the best O lineman we have against the run right now. He should absolutely be on their left tackle on Andrew Thomas because Thomas versus Hutch. I'm giving Hutch a shot. If Thomas goes up against anyone else on a run play, I worry that Saquon will run over us. So I want Hutch over their left tackle on rundowns and flip over on pass downs. I think that's the absolute biggest thing we can do to stop this run. Apart from stacking the box, but why not do both? Um, we are coming to the end of the show. Uh, I don't know if you guys have some score predictions ready, but I'm going to come around and see what you guys think is going to happen. Steve, start us off, man. Boys have talked me into a Lions win here. Like, I, I was... I was very much thinking like, you know, Giants by six and a half, something like that. But I don't know. I, I've just got a feeling that that we've got we've got a real hope in this. And I think um, for me, this is a winnable game. Like, as, as Ryan said, there's something, there's a whiff of fraudulence about the Giants. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there is definitely something about them that, that makes me think they're not as good as their record. So I'm going to say... I'm going to say 28-24 Lions. Ryan? I, got it. I made my prediction today on LN News Post, 27-24. Now, I didn't mention Barkley because I don't think we can stop him. I think Saquon Barkley is going to destroy us. But I'm just going to overlook him and try and win the game in other areas. So, yeah, I think he's going to run wild, but I don't, that don't mean we can't win, especially on offense if we can score heavier than him. So 27-24 Detroit. And 28-17 Lions. Oh, I think this is going to be our Arizona game this year. I think this team is very confident now. And a confident young Lions team is so much a different proposition to an out-of-form young Lions team. I don't. It, you cannot understate how much it means for a young side to have wins and belief under their belt. And the Giants have a lot of pressure on them. The more the weeks go by, the more the wins rack up. I know they say that it gets easier the longer it goes on, but it doesn't. It gets harder week by week. Philly have slipped up. You've suddenly got a side of the league. Suddenly your eye gets taken a little bit off the ball. And all of a sudden, you've got this young team slugging and kicking and fighting and making you force you for absolutely everything. And you're like, I'm not ready for this. You know, this would be one we could win to get over when we're better. But 
I think the Lions are going to be able to go there. I think we're going to be able to stuff the ball down their throat. And like I say, I like what I saw from the defense last week. It drew the holding calls. It stayed disciplined. You can do that against Saquon Barkley. They can't run him forever. And his usage will run out. And I think that this will be the week for it. I think this is a team banging confidence. And I think we'll upset them. And I think we'll upset a lot of people in the process. You had exactly the same score prediction as Fly Odd Condor, and it came in at basically the same time, which I think is funny. Patman70 says 30-28 to the Lions. A few other guys throughout the stream have had other predictions. Smoking Jeremy B is in the chat. Follow him on YouTube if you haven't already. It's a great show. He says 27-20 Lions if they follow the game plan, and 24-20 to the Giants if they don't, which I think is absolutely fair cop. For myself... I am not buying this talk about the overhitting. And I was on this last week and I was wrong. But I don't see any reason why I should deviate in this game. It's two attacks based primarily on run offense. And that restricts the amount of points you can score, in theory. I think these teams will stall out quite often on drives. I think there's going to be quite a lot of punts in this game. I think it's going to be a back and forth, black and blue style game. I think that drives, when they are successful, are going to be long and slow. I can see 15-play, 80-yard drives being order of the day when touchdowns come. And I'm going to follow my mantra. I can't pick a winner to this game. And so I'm going with the home team. And it sucks. But the Giants are 7-2. and two, So I don't feel bad picking them for this game. They might win the NFC this year. And we've all said that. And then we're picking to win, picking us to win this game. It's like, you know what? For me, the Lions need to stop being lucky and start actually winning these games. Like, winning these games. And until they do that, I feel uneasy picking the Lions. I'm going 16-14 to the Giants. I think we will cover three points. But I think it will be a gritty affair. Steve, you have your hand up. And... Um- yeah, I, mean, I just wanted to raise one point that, that, that no one's raised yet. And we've not talked about the Lions' number one offensive weapon this week. And that is obviously Ryan McCluskey, who is being dispatched to New York. Um, the New York sports crowd are notoriously loudmouth and brash and gobby. Um, Ryan, can you tell us what you've got in store in, in terms of when you hit, I think you're going to hit New York like crack in the eighties. I think you're just you're going to make a seismic impact. Tell us what what's going to be the chance, what's going to be the put downs, what what are you going to bring to the table on those on those bleachers? Well, everyone's going to look confused when I start calling a referee a wanker because they don't know what a referee is and they don't use the word wanker. So uh, uh, when the penalties if we start flying, I'm going to start turning on the officials. I know if Kenny Garley gets touches, I'm going to start booing him. I'm like, Kenny who? So, Kenny who? Kenny Kenny not all day. I'm just going to just gonna wind him up. And I'm going to like... And then if we win, I'm going to call them N.E. York because we take the W. I've had that in my drafts on Twitter for about six months since I booked it. So, we better win because I've already thought about the celebration tweet. But, yeah, I might be insufferable because I'm sitting in the Lions half. So, hopefully no one will hurt me. Are there, are there any Bradford City chance that you're going to maybe adapt and, and use against the New York crowd? No, because a lot of them are quite offensive. I want to get alive. I want to make it out of this one. There. Just going back to Matthew, I hope this isn't a punk game because 
I feel like Jack Fox has been a bit shit since he got that deal. So I do worry in the bad conditions because the weather looks like it's going to be windy and fucking freezing as well. I have, I'm sat like basically in the top block, so I've told Lorraine to wrap up because it's going to be like ice. I got the perfect one for you, Roy. You know the football champ. He scores from the left. He scores from the right. Amon Ross St. Brown will make you look shite. There we go. You can use that. I'll do anything like say uh, it doesn't bother me upsetting a few New Yorkers. I, I just I just want to see a vid- I want to see a video of you when there's a bad wrecking call just shouting Gio. Just like always. <laughs> well, I think it's probably time to close the show here, but Ryan, wish you the best, safe travels, a good game, however it goes for the Lions. Hopefully a Lions victory for you. And then uh, hopefully we'll all be over for one in Detroit next year, which would be really cool. Um, Give them hell, Ryan. Give them hell. Yeah. 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 Just don't get hurt. <laughs> I'm back in one piece. We need you. Um, I don't think we this show can survive without your rants. I feel like uh, the guys in the chat are living for it. That's why they tune in every week. So, well, If it don't go well, then the week after will be fun. <laughs> That's what we live for. Guys in the chat, hang on a bit. We will still be staying live. For, but for you guys on the audio pod... Here comes the outro. You can find us on Royal the Lines UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The next show is the Giants Review on Monday. College Podcast aired yesterday. Talks about week 12 in review and week 13 coming up as well as the people in line to make the college football playoffs and the the people who are playing for the conference, uh, the division finals and what have you. I don't know what I'm talking about, guys. Help me out here. What happened? I don't know. <laughs> I was spouting oh, rubbish. Oh well, that's good because I'm, you know, I, I need someone to help me on the show next week. So you're out of it now if you're calling them people in conference. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure I can do something, man. Um, anyway, college show draft coming up. You need to listen to it. Ant and Ryan do a far better job than I do with that. So check it out. Otherwise, Facebook group for worldwide fans is Detroit Lions fans UK One Pride Worldwide, and the website where Ash pr- puts all his preview articles is RuralLionsUK.com. Amongst us going to put other stuff in there as well like analysis and draft previews and that sort of thing so do subscribe to the mailing list on that otherwise please do on apple podcast subscribe rate us five stars on your podcast provided love you forever uh otherwise my thanks to Ant and ryan and steve and to our special guest dan from big blue uk and ireland my name is matthew turner and we'll see you on sunday for the game where i'll be live streaming for now let's go lions one pride and good luck ryan one pride. Give them hell. Unleash hell. I'm coming for you. Fuck the salty bears still. Mm-hmm.